Welcome again to Crosswinds. Glad you could be here today. Uh, my name is Doug Weinkoff. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. And, and we are continuing our teaching series called Faith Checkups. We uh, began last week looking at the letter of James, and that's going to be our guide through the remainder of this month. We challenged you to uh, start reading each day one of the chapters. So there's five chapters. So if Monday you started with chapter one, you'd finish by Friday. We gave you Saturday as the out in case you missed a week or missed a day and, and didn't stay with it. But our hope is that by the end of the month, you will have had a chance to actually read through the letter of James four times, and you'll know it pretty well. So, so I want to encourage you that if you haven't read it yet, Start reading it this week because it's going to be our guide for, for the remainder of the month. And our hope is this, that, that when we're done, it will be a time of growth for you. That, that as you read through James and you kind of think about it and, and chew on it and you're here on Sundays, that it will encourage you to a deeper faith, a stronger faith, or, or even a new faith that you didn't have before. And the benefit is, you will have this one letter of the New Testament in your back pocket. So that if anybody ever asks you a question, you can probably just go, well, in James, it says. And, and you'll be able to nail that. You're going to look really smart, you know, because you've got that one book of the Bible down pat. So last week, as Doug started, he said, we can intentionally influence who we become in five years. You remember that, if you were here? That, that we can kind of set our trajectory for what we want to be or what we want to do or, or who we want to be. And, and he come up, came up with these areas in our lives that we can intentionally try to, to set a pattern and a set a direction, that we can be in charge of our emotions, our social state, or, or our physical state. It's dynamic. And, and if we don't intentionally try to set where we're going to go, we might go to a place where we never wanted to be. You know, when it comes to physical you know what, in five years from now, well, I'd like to still be healthy. I'd probably like to be thinner. And I'd like to be about three inches taller. But that one's not going to happen no matter what I do. But, but two out of the three, I can have an impact on. The same is true with our emotional state and our social state. And more importantly, our faith state. When Doug asked us last week to use three words for that, um, he didn't ask us all to share. He just said, hey, just hang on to it. I'm just going to give you my three. That, that as he went through it, I went, here's, here's what I would love to see in my life in, in five years. That my faith would be more vibrant. That it would be alive. It would be exciting. It would, it would be just, you know, man, so invigorating for me. That it would be stronger than it is today. I don't want my faith to be the same as it was when I was in fourth grade or middle school, or high school, or college, or seminary. I want it to be richer and stronger. That when difficult times come, I'll be able to hang in there. I want to be growing. That, man, I have learned more. I have trusted more deeply than I did before. That, that's what I hope happens in, in five years. We looked at chapter 1 last week, and, and the main theme was that trouble equals a joy opportunity. That when you face difficulties, when you face problems in your life, it is an opportunity to find joy. Not to just enjoy pain, 
but to find joy that God is in the midst of it. God is with me in this. And our prayer is God will use it. Use it for something beneficial. And as we wrapped up last week, we said chapter one really is all about being authentic and growing in our faith and enduring. That, that we don't think that, hey, I, I became a follower of Jesus and everything should just be puppies and rainbows and unicorns. No, it's not going to be any of those things, probably. You know why I say that? Because it wasn't for Jesus and it wasn't for the disciples. So why would it be for us? So we get to James chapter 2, and, and I've kind of given it the title of the James Controversy. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the letter of James almost didn't make it into our Bible. Now remember, James is not James, the brother of John, the sons of Zebedee. He's not one of the disciples of Jesus. This is James' brother. He wasn't a believer while Jesus was teaching. He didn't become a believer until after Jesus died and came back to life. And then after that, he became a follower of Jesus and a pillar of the church in Jerusalem. But he wrote some things in this letter that as the church started compiling what we call our Bible, which was a couple hundred years later, they started going, whoa, we're not so sure James should be in there. It doesn't seem like it fits. It doesn't seem like it, it's consistent with some of the other stuff. And it all really comes from James chapter 2. So, so the question you and I have to ask yourself is, well, what's wrong with James? I mean, he, he didn't say that Jesus isn't the Son of God. He didn't say that. He didn't say, hey, it, it's, you know, not by faith. What, what did he say that would make people kind of go, maybe not? I'm going to give you the three core verses that people have wrestled with, and, and I believe that they're making a lot over nothing. And we're going to wrestle with it today together. But in James chapter 2, verses 14 to 17, it says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes or in daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. I highlighted the phrase that got James in trouble. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. You know why that caused all the, all the concern? Because it sounds like it contradicts what Paul wrote in his letters. Now here's the caveat. James was written first. James was probably one of the earliest letters in the New Testament before we, we got the letters from Paul. And it was written to Jewish people. It was written to all the Jewish people that had kind of dispersed all over the Roman Empire. So he was, he was in his mind, writing to his brothers and sisters in the faith. But the concern about this letter, the concern about that last phrase is, it sounds like it's faith plus deeds. That's what saves us. That's what makes us okay. And deeds being that we're good enough. We're doing enough. We're working hard enough. We're keeping the rules. 
And when you look at that, if you could take it from that viewpoint, we've got a problem because the rest of the Gospels, the rest of the New Testament says, man, it is faith only. It is Jesus and only Jesus. And here James is going, well, it's Jesus and a little more. At least that's what they thought. I mean, just to make sure we're really clear, in Paul, Paul wrote in Romans this, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Period. End of discussion. Drop the mic. It's faith only. What is James doing? I mean, even more importantly, James, you're writing to Jewish people. Don't you remember? They are recovering from the law. They've had hundreds of years having it just driven into them that we keep the laws, we have the law, we have the Torah. You have to go to temple. You have to have the right sacrifices. You have to do the right things. You have to eat the right foods. All of this, all of these deeds that they had to do and we just got done telling him, no, no, it's all Jesus. And now, James, you're, you're messing us up. Man, you're taking us back to the old days, the pre-Jesus days. Paul writes in Romans these words, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right in God, with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standards. And over and over in the rest of the New Testament, we just keep hearing about it's faith, it's faith, it's Jesus. And then James says, well, it's Jesus. Uh, and, and, and man, and there's some deeds that go along with it. And if deeds being good enough or doing enough is really what James said, I would agree we probably should drop this letter from the New Testament. But I don't think that's where he's going. I think he would agree that it's by faith we're saved. I remember when I was in uh, middle school, my, my youth pastor was, was talking to us, and in one of the illustrations he tried to give us to explain this whole faith-based grace was about a swimming competition. And you may be familiar with the story. It's, it's been told many and many a times, but that there was this great swimming competition that was put on for swimmers, the greatest swimmers, to try and swim from the east coast of the United States to England. And that there was a huge prize involved if you could do it. And, and hundreds of people signed up to be a part of this competition. And, and when the competition began, you know, they all started swimming. But, but within a mile or two, most of them had to drop out. Most of them had to be picked up in boats, which is still impressive. I mean, I'm lucky to get to the other end of the pool, and I'm feeling pretty good about myself, all right? But, but as the competition really continued, it got down to really three swimmers. And after about 34 miles, the third swimmer, a woman swimmer, said, I can't do it anymore. She raised her arm, and she was taken out of the water. So I find that incredibly impressive. So now we were down to two swimmers. 
And as, as they continued swimming, finally, after about 78 miles, the second swimmer just said, I, I, I can't go any farther. I'm done. And, and they took him out of the water. They were down to the last swimmer. He kept swimming. He was a strong swimmer. And he knew how to rest. And he got to 118 miles and finally went, I'm, I'm done. Now, in comparison to everyone else, he was amazing. The only problem was he only came up 3,446 miles short of the finish line. See, that's what the gospel talks about over and over and over. We can't work hard enough or be good enough to be forgiven. That's why our faith in Jesus is so important because he finished what we couldn't finish. His death on the cross brought forgiveness for us that we couldn't earn on our own. But then, but then we get to these comments about deeds. And deeds without faith is dead is what Paul tells us, which is true. Just being good is never going to get us there. And when we talk about what are deeds, what comes to your mind? When I was in middle school again, my dad said my job was to shovel the snow in the winter, cut the grass in the spring and summer, and rake up the leaves in the fall. And if I did that each week, I would get $2.75 as an allowance. I know that's brutal. But at the time, it sounds like a lot of money. Actually, it comes out to be about 17 bucks an hour today. So actually, it's pretty good money. But the deal was, I had to do it. And if I didn't cut the grass that week, I didn't get my 275. If I didn't shovel the driveway, I didn't get my 275. And I really enjoyed spring the most because you know what? In Chicago, there wasn't a whole lot of snow and the grass really wasn't growing. And I still got my 275. I kind of like spring the best. But the reality was, the only reason I was doing the work was for the reward. And sometimes I was doing the work with a bad attitude. I could be with my friends right now. They're having more fun than me. I don't want to shovel. It's cold. It's windy. Man, I sound like a Minnesotan. Um, but, but my attitude could have been stinky. See, there's nothing about faith in my deeds. It was dead. It was just I had to do this to get what I wanted. But what if James meant something else? What if he wasn't talking about deeds being like you have to be good enough or you have to earn it? What if, what if he used a word that, that somehow got misinterpreted later, but that his statement actually is more congruent and more in line with what Jesus actually stated when he was teaching? What if he wasn't saying it's faith plus deeds, but he was saying actually it's faith equals action? Not faith plus, but faith equals. That because of your faith, there will be deeds, there will be actions on your part. I want to show you this illustration here of a train. 
See, the engine is the most important thing, isn't it? I mean, without an engine, the train goes nowhere. And if our engine is faith, faith in Jesus, out of that faith, out of that forgiveness, the rest of it is really being carried along. And it's the response to that faith that we love. We love God for what he's done in our lives, and we love others. We go back to that teaching from Jesus that, hey, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love others as you would yourself. Well, what does that, what does love look like? How do we express that love? Well, Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. You will follow my teachings. You will you'll do the, what I said when I instructed you to act. And that will lead you to actions and and unfortunately, James used the word deeds, which other people got all nervous about. But if he would have said actions or responses, I think we would have been okay. I want to go back to my job of shoveling and mowing and leaf raking. When I got to be 16, I got my first job. As soon as I got my first job, my dad said, hey, guess what? Allowance is over. There's no reason for me to give you an allowance. You're making good money on your own. I was making more than $2.75 an hour. I was feeling pretty rich. And he also told me, you know what? You don't have to cut the grass anymore. You don't have to shovel the driveway anymore. But somewhere along the line, my attitude changed. I kept cutting the grass. I kept shoveling the driveway. I, I kept raking, and, and my heart and attitude changed. It wasn't for the money. It was because I knew that it helped my dad. I came along real late in my parents' life. My dad was 40 when I was born. So he was 56 when I was in high school. He was working hard with his own business. He was exhausted most nights. And I realized that this was one way I could show my love for him, my appreciation for him. And it really wasn't that hard. It wasn't that big of a deal. So, so instead of going, oh, man, I'm in it for the money, my heart changed. I went, I'm, I'm just doing this because I think that's what I'm supposed to be doing. It's one way I can reflect love for my dad. Right? I think that's what James was trying to get at when he wrote chapter 2. That faith will create transformation in our lives. That it's not faith plus, it's faith will lead you to. Faith will create transformation. Faith will move us to love, which will get lived out in actions. And the question is, what do those actions look like? What do, we, what do we do? How do we live? It's that deeds are a physical application of our faith. Not a requirement for faith. Not a requirement for forgiveness. Not a requirement for grace. But an application of it. I want to read you the rest of that passage from James chapter 2, which as I read it, it may make you start thinking about, boy, this sounds really familiar. 
I think I've heard this somewhere else. But here it is, James 2. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? He's kind of saying, how can you call yourself a furniture maker if you've never made any furniture? How can you call yourself a follower of Jesus if you really don't do anything that Jesus said you should do? You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? You call yourself a furniture maker, but you've never made furniture. We all started laughing. That's just silly. We agree. See, deeds is the physical application of our faith. Now, now here's what I want you to, to catch. He was mirroring the teachings of Jesus in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus told a story to his disciples and followers, and it's going to sound a lot like James. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance. In other words, hey, those of you that really are my children, followers of Jesus, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world is ready. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Man, doesn't that sound like a whole bunch of deeds? A whole bunch of stuff. I just I got a new list from Jesus. I didn't think he had a list. But it's not. It's just the physical application of our faith. That it's going to motivate us to action. Now, sometimes we do that as an institution. As, as a group of followers of Jesus, we do this all the time. I mean, we live out our faith. We live it out by serving in the church in different ministries, that, that those actions are a reflection of our faith. Sometimes we go out into our communities and, and we live that out. This coming Monday, our high school and middle school students are going to Feed My Starving Children. Uh, it's, a, it's a really cool organization. They, they put together um, food packs for kids all over the world in third world countries. And, and they distribute it to orphanages and, and food shelters all over. And our kids on Monday are going to be going up to the cities to, to do food packing for about two hours. And, you know, they're going to be putting the rice and the vegetables and the powder and everything together. And then they're going to be bagging it and sealing it and putting it in crates. And then they're going to take the crates and put them on, on pallets. And, and they're going to do that for a few hours. Now, for some of them, it really is a reflection of their faith. But let me give you another part. For some of them, it might not be. It might be just, well, I'm just going to go hang out with my buddies. It's kind of cool and fun to do. But for most of them, I believe it's a reflection of God has called us to love others, and that's why I'm going. Because I could hang out with my buddies anytime. We do that as a church 
for our community, for Pine Island and Zambroda. Our Food and Friends program, we, we put together 70 breakfasts and lunches every week. And some of you have done it. Either you've gone and done the shopping for us or you've come on Thursday nights and, and you've packed the bags or you've been drivers and taken the food to Pine Island and Zambroda. Uh, but we have done this faithfully for years now. They don't even know who's providing the bags, just so you understand. It's not about, wow, Crosswinds is cool. It's not about, wow, Crosswinds is trying to get into these schools. They just know that some nonprofit organization is providing 70 lunches for kids who need them. But it's one of the ways we live out that faith. That's what we do as a community. But it's also then the next question is, how do we live out our faith individually? What are the actions that we do individually? Not, not as a community, but do you act independently by yourself? Now, here's the danger of this lesson, this, 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 this chapter. The danger is we could just start making a checklist, couldn't we? All the things I'm doing right, all the things I'm getting done. Yep, I went and I did the packing on Thursday night. Man, Jesus must really love me. Hey, my neighbor had a baby and we brought a meal over there. Yep. Oh, again, I am doing it right. Good for me. And we could start keeping score about our actions so that we just feel good. Yep, I must be forgiven. I must have faith because I got a list. Guess what? Anybody could have a list. Anybody can do good things. A lot of good things happen. There was a telethon last night on KTTC. They're raising thousands of dollars for cancer. It's a good thing. It's not necessarily a faith in God thing, is it? That's why it's so important that we keep this perspective and we keep this order, that we start with our faith in Jesus. James wouldn't say anything else. He would say, yep, I totally agree. Our faith is based in Jesus, which leads to love, which leads to obedience, which manifests itself, shows itself in our actions. He alluded to this teaching all the way in James chapter 1. We didn't talk about it last week, but at the back section of chapter 1, he wrote this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. We're talking about character and actions right there. Who we are becoming because of our faith. Human anger doesn't produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all that filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your soul. Humbly accept the teachings you've heard and act on them because it will save our lives. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. And this is where James keeps getting in trouble because as soon as he starts saying, go do it, Warning flags come up everywhere. But otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away and forget what you look like. 
But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then will God will bless you for doing it. James says, hey, don't just say you're a furniture maker. Oh, I know lots about furniture. I've got lots of head knowledge. Don't just call yourself a follower of Jesus, is what James is really saying. To a Jewish community that, you know how always when we live in one area of life, we start to get comfortable with it, and, and then we kind of start to see the, the negative side of it, and, and then we try, when we decide we're going to change, we kind of swing the pendulum to the other side of it. I've done that with my kids. You know, my first child, we were super sure about how to raise that child. We had all kinds of cool rules, and we knew when to do it and what to do and how long it could be for, and, and we had all that structure. By the time we got to child three, we longed for structure. <laughs> we kind of swung to the other side of it, right? I think James was trying to guard the Jewish believers from swinging from the, oh, it's all about the laws, to it's not about laws at all. We don't have to do anything. We just have to say Jesus and we're good. And he's saying, no, it's Jesus. But, but because it is Jesus, that's going to change your life. That's going to transform your life. That's going to lead you to actions you never thought you would take. So as we continue our faith checkup, I want to give you, give you some questions for you to wrestle with that, that you can think about. You know, It's like when we go to our doctor for that physical, he asks us a whole bunch of questions, doesn't he? You know, how much exercise are you getting? Mm, how much TV time are you watching? You know, are you brushing your teeth? And, and he, he asks you all those questions. Before he even starts his physical, he gives you those questions just to see where you're at. So today we're going to continue our, our faith checkup with some questions for you to wrestle with and, and think about, you know, through the remainder of this week. So, so here they come. Has my faith changed my character? Think of yourself pre-following Jesus to now. And has there been a change in your character? Are you a more patient person than you used to be? Are you a more loving person than you used to be? Are you a more encouraging person than you used to be? You can start thinking of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Are you starting to see those things growing in your life? Maybe before Jesus, your word didn't mean a whole lot. Now it means an awful lot to you. The question of integrity has become critical to how you live your life now. Can you find, like last week, joy in troubles more than you did in the past? That because I'm trusting God, I have a faith, I can find joy, I can find peace. I don't worry like I used to worry. 
Can you identify decisions you are making based on your faith? Hey, before Jesus, I lived in a way that basically was all about me, and now that's changed because of my walk with Jesus. Hey, I handle my finances one way, but, but now that I'm following Jesus, I'm changing them. And, and guess what? That's part of the whole Dave Ramsey thing. It's not about just saving money. It's not about getting out of debt. It's about how do I handle my finances in a way that honors God? How do I handle my finances in a way that, that can be an action of my faith? That's why we encourage it. That's why we push it. You know? When Crosswind started, there were, there were dozens and dozens of people who had to wrestle with this. Are you going to make a decision that's going to change your life? And, and many of the founding people of Crosswinds did. Some of them aren't here anymore, but, but some of them are now, now that we've been around for 20 years, are in, now in their mid-70s. When they came here, they said, we... We want a church for the next generation. They didn't care about, well, the music really isn't what I like to sing. It's a little louder than I'd like to have. They didn't say, you know, that whole drama stuff. Eh. Uh, they, they, didn't, they didn't go, hey, the teaching isn't like I grew up on. Man, we had a pulpit in the front of the room, and, well, they got nothing. Um, but they said, we're going to do this. And they did it with their money, they did it with their time, they did it with their gifts, but it was a huge step of action connected to their faith. Let me give you another one. Is your faith moving you to stop or to start or stop doing something? So I want you to think about that and wrestle with that. Is your faith, you know what, I read this teaching in the New Testament, and it, man, it convicted me. It convicted my heart. And I have to stop what I'm doing. Or I have to start what I'm doing. It might be, you know what, I used to, I used to, I'll just give one of mine from the past. Man, I, I had colorful language. I could make a sailor blush. And my friends liked it too, and they did too. And then I started reading through the New Testament and went, whoa, not okay. And I had to wrestle with, am I going to change my language so that more fits with what Jesus said? Are there moments that you're seeing, hey, I am watching God change me, my values, my lifestyle. Now, as you're sitting here, if you're going, man, I don't, I don't think I can answer these, I'll give you two options. One, find somebody that's super safe, that you trust, that loves you, and, and, and ask them, hey, is my character changing as a follower of Jesus? Hey, are, are the decisions I'm making, can you see that they're a reflection of my faith? Hey, the things I'm doing, are, are, are they a reflection of my faith? Ask someone. Make sure you tell them, be gentle right away from the front end. You know, last thing you want to hear is No. There's nothing about your faith in your life. Uh, oh, thank you. i got to go home now and cry. Uh, don't do that. But maybe ask somebody else. Or maybe you just start taking some time and praying about it. And going, God, I don't know my answers, which, which I want to be able to know my answers. I want to be able to say yes. 
show me what I need to do, what my next step looks like. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the letter from James that, that it's not faith plus, but it's faith equals. God, we pray that we would be a people that are led to action, actions of love, actions of kindness, actions that talk about our faith when you provide opportunity. God, we pray that you would change our character, that we would become more and more like the person you dreamed for us to be, that we would become people that are loving, compassionate, joy-filled, comfortable in our own skin. God, that's our prayer. Help us, help us to become the men and women you've called us to be and live out our faith. We don't want to be furniture makers. We want to be followers of Jesus. In Christ's name we pray.